Yeah, it's been really, really great. First of all, um, if you're if you're just coming in, my name is Tommy Martinson. I'm the lead pastor here, and I hope that you already are feeling right at home, that you feel welcomed. There's some incredible people in this house that I'm honored to to live life with, and and we get to link arms and be this crazy love army in a city of Los Angeles. And um, you guys are fiery ones. You guys are fiery ones. I can feel it every week. You know, we, we've been talking for years about being a bonfire in this house, a bonfire of God's presence and his love. And I've watched how you guys take what he's done in your hearts in community and you go out and you live it. And every single day you, you stoke that fire within you through your relationship with Jesus and you come back and add fuel to the fire. And it's just the greatest honor to be able to, to lead a company of people who are after the heart of God, that are after his ways. We bless the pup in Jesus' name. Peace to the pup. To all the pups in the pantry, peace. And um, actually, I see a lot of dogs here today. I don't know. There's, it's okay, it's okay. But um, I just want to thank you guys for being a community of those burning ones. Like, that's, that's really our heart, is to see you guys set on fire and to watch you burn. You know, it's like, it's not just about the stage and who's up here. We want to see each and every one of you come into the fullness of who you were called to be when God designed you. It's really what it's all about, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to see you guys become... Um, absolutely undone with your magnificent obsession. His name is Jesus. And watch how, how you become his, he becomes yours. And every place that you go, that you walk, that you have influence would come under the authority and the weight of his very glory and goodness. So it's just an honor to be able to do this with you guys. Um, let's pray as we get into the message today. Jesus, we, we really are honored to gather together, to, to seek your face, to, to know what the living God is like through your word and through worship and encounter and through community. And God, it's such an honor to be able to do it together and, and to run together and to see how we can sharpen each other and move forward together. I pray, God, that today your glory the anointing of Jesus would be, would be manifest in this place. That as I teach and preach, that we would all just be students before you at your feet. That we would all just be students before you at your feet, God. Speak to us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, part of what we've been teaching in the house is how to foster your relationship with God, how to host the very presence of the Holy Spirit so maybe we can actually, I've had you come up and down. Could you guys stand with me one more time? Interactive day. Can we actually practice for a moment just hosting the presence of God right here in this place and just right, right here? He's right here. Um, I just had this song kind of repeating in my head that I think we could just sing, sing um, together in unity. I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. that again, I need you, I need you. Every hour, God, and every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God. Would you just hold your hands before you, just engage with him. Let's sing it one more time. I need you, oh
beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a beautiful name it is And nothing can fix it is What a beautiful name it is The name of I just pray, Holy Spirit, just even as we open your word, that you would minister powerfully to every heart, God. Move in this space. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Isn't God good? There's nothing like his presence. Are you guys stirred up for a hunger for more? Did you know that there's always more? There's always more. In this life with Jesus, we really should never be bored because there's always more. Did you know that you guys are called to be lightning rods of heaven? Just right here in the ground, attracting the influence and the power of God in your life. We literally are just lifting our hands saying, God, move through my life. Move through my life. Move with power and love through my life, God. It's the more of the Lord that we crave not just for our, our own good, though he does transform us powerfully and uniquely, but to see the ministry of Jesus, the love of God hit our hearts, transform our minds, our bodies, our lives, and to watch him propel through our lives in every circumstance, in every situation. This is the life of the believer. It's radical. And you know, what we, what we talked about last week uh, we went back to Genesis 28, and we opened up about how Jacob, one of the fathers of Israel, um, was, was kind of having a rift with his brother. Not kind of. He had a rift with his brother, and he set out, and he was by himself in the promised land, and he, he rest his, rested his head to sleep against a rock, and the Lord spoke to him in a dream in the middle of the night and showed him a ladder, and we learned that that ladder could have been more like a staircase, a ziggurat staircase, whatever it is. It was a bridge connecting heaven to earth. There were angels ascending and descending, angels that were on assignment and had finished their assignment and returning to heaven. And we talked about how Genesis 28 said that surely this is an open heaven. This is where the, the presence of God is and a gate of heaven. And then we looked about how Jesus himself, taking the power of this metaphor that all of Israel would have been familiar with. And in John, John chapter 10 says, Jesus says, I am the gate. I am, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And he said in John 1.14 that Jesus dwelt among us. It literally means he tabernacled among us. It was God made incarnate, fully God, fully man, but he came. He came as a man, fully surrendered to the will of God to, to freely lay down his life and to demonstrate what it looks like to be a man full of the, the presence and power of God and then to give up his life freely as a ransom for our lives, the perfect sacrifice. That's who Jesus is. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. Dwelling meaning to tabernacle. And then in John 1, we looked at how Jesus was speaking to one of his disciples, Nathaniel. And he had had kind of this prophetic image of Nathaniel under a fig tree. And I learned actually after the service that a, a fig tree would have been a place where, where an individual would have dwelt in intimacy with God to connect with God. And in that place of a fig tree, Nathaniel seeking God, probably wanting intimacy and answers to his questions. Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel, and I've called you. And he said, verily, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is, the, this is the fulfillment of this open heaven that they would have been mysteriously wondering what this metaphor meant. And he says, I am the fulfillment. I am the open heaven. I am bringing heaven to earth through my ministry. And we talked about how last week, Jesus didn't leave us there where it was just, just Jesus walking the planet. He ascended to heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he said, I'm bringing you a helper. And so we talked about how the comforter, the helper would come as we would wait upon him. And I don't want to get too far into that because I'm going to crack it open a little bit more today. But my hope 
even today, even as we open up the word of God, my hope is to really stir up a flame within you. My hope is to stir up a hunger within every single one of you. That no matter if you've had some really high highs with God, or maybe that's a foreign concept with you, that today there would be something like ignition within your heart. That the Holy Spirit would move in power in your life to actually see the realness of God, how tangible he is, how alive he is, and how he wants to be alive and operate in and through your life. Amen? And so let's now open up together to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 64. Here Isaiah, who was a a prophet to the nation of Israel, releases a prayer that is also a prophetic declaration that demonstrates the heart cry of all humanity, the depths of our heart. What you're really longing for is to experience the glory of the living God, that he would flood our lives with his presence. And he says in Isaiah 64, verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That you would rend the heavens and come down. Now, there's a cry in churches worldwide that we are still in in some degree asking God to rend the heavens and come down. Sometimes we sing that out. We're waiting for the the greater manifestation of the, the, the movement of the kingdom of God in our lives. But this prophetic declaration and cry from Isaiah 64... This cry of the prophet Isaiah and the cry within our hearts that we would experience God in his fullness is now seen if we can fast forward in Matthew chapter 3. So let's flip there. Matthew 3. We find ourselves very early in in the book of Matthew. Matthew itself was written to a Jewish population. So everything that Matthew wrote inspired by the Holy Spirit would have been showing the Jewish people that this is the Messiah. Can you follow the the Old Testament prophetic words and the fulfillment of it in this person, Jesus, the Messiah. So in here, Matthew 3, Jesus had not yet begun his earthly ministry. He was not healing a bunch of people yet. He wasn't seeing a whole lot of miracles yet. But here, um, before he had begun his preaching and teaching, he came to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, a relative of Jesus, was paving the way. He was a forerunner before the ministry of Jesus. He was a wild man with crazy hair, I'm sure a ruffled beard. He, he, ha- he was eating locusts and honey. His clothing was made out of camel's fur. He was just a wild one running around the desert. And he had his own group of followers, his disciples, that were learning under his instruction, his teaching. And not only that, but John the Baptist was calling people to repentance of their sin, to turn from their sin and to turn to God. And so he would have individuals coming to the Jordan River, a main water source in the land of Israel. And at the Jordan River, he says, repent and be baptized. And so all these individuals were coming in, turning from their sin and towards righteousness, towards obedience. But not only that, Jesus came to be baptized by John. Now, why would Jesus need to be baptized by John for repentance? The answer is he didn't need to be. He was perfect. He lived a sinless life. So he didn't need repentance, baptism. But the other key that John was preaching was announcing that the kingdom of God was near. So when John prophesied the nearness of the kingdom, he was prophesying the very kingdom realm that Jesus himself was about to manifest and release. So here we have Matthew 13, verse 13. Let's read together. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need not be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it's fitting for us to, be, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. John knew that the Spirit, that by the Spirit, he knew that he was not even worthy to baptize Jesus. He's like, you're the one that should be baptizing me. But look at this fascinating description of what takes place in verse 16. Let's follow along. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. 
and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The book of Mark is, is paralleling this same story and, and the way that Mark writes it, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, immediately Jesus saw the heavens torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. My beloved son with whom I am well pleased. In this act of baptism, Jesus saw the heavens torn open. What had been prophesied for thousands of years had begun, and heaven was piercing through the Son of God and his earthly ministry. The heavens torn open. This word here, heavens opening, it means to cleave, to split open, to tear open, to divide. And the same word here used is to describe both the veil in the temple that was torn in two at the time of Jesus' death, and also at the time of Jesus' death, the rocks were split in two. Rocks all across Jerusalem being split in two. It was a miraculous sign. A violent tearing of heaven's influence coming to earth, signaling the significance of the finished works of the cross and the breaking open of the kingdom realm here on earth. And here we have in Matthew 27, verse 51, this is how it describes it. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. My point is that the significance of the baptism of Jesus was not just a sweet little, oh, the, the clouds parted. That's so nice that the dove came and just a little, a little moment where the sun broke through the clouds. This was, that, as nice as that is, as precious moments category as that is, this was actually a world-changing, dramatic act of the heavens rended open. The fulfillment of the cry of Isaiah, rend the heavens and come down. And it was answered in the person of Jesus. Each time that we see opening here, tearing open, it's used and it's incredibly significant. Let's look at the three main tearing opens that we see here. The veil, the ripping from top to bottom. Do you know how significant it is that in the Holy of Holies, this thick curtain, this is not just a small little sheer fabric blowing in the wind. This is a heavy-duty, kind of probably a foot at least thick veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And when Jesus gave up his last breath, it was torn in two from top to bottom. This is a powerful signal of heaven has come to earth through the Son of God to make a way for you to enter into the holy of holies. Nothing now is holding us back from the love of God. All it takes is a simple belief in making him Lord of your life, confessing him as God. And he says, come in, come into my righteousness. Come in, would you be co-crucified with Christ, co-buried with him, co-raised into your salvation. Top to bottom, significance. Secondly, the rocks. Why, why, were, why was it mentioned that the rocks were those that were split? I think it's no mistake that rocks, I mean, this doesn't take a, a scientist to de demonstrate. It's one of the hardest things on, on earth. Maybe a diamond, I don't know, something else. But rocks, the hardest, the hardest thing in the physical realm that we, could, that we could think about is responding to the heavenly realm. The rocks were literally crying out. Creation was responding to the rule and reign of the kingdom of God. And finally, the heavens. The significance of the splitting of the heavens, declaring to the enemy, to every force of darkness, a, a loud shout, if you will, that the, to the prince of the power of the air, that you now have no authority over Jesus, and that we as his followers, you now have been defeated. The carriers of his very presence, the children of God, also now walk in the same degree of authority and power and influence of heaven. This was a powerful demonstration to both darkness and to the children of God. Wow. 
Acts chapter 1 and 2. Would you flip with me? In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had appeared to around 500 individuals before he ascended to heaven. This is after his death, after his resurrection, and he ascended to heaven. And he commissioned his followers, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've received, what? The promise of the Father. And we know this to be the power of the Holy Spirit, that he would bring about the birthing of the New Testament church. So after 10 days, after he had left, after 10 days, there was about 120 individuals gathered in what is called the upper room. They gathered together seeking the face of God in a place of unity, of one heart, worship, prayer, seeking, seeking the Lord together. And this is called the day of Pentecost. This is, this is the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was poured out as a gift, as a gift to God's people known as the Father's promise. And this promise given by a good father who gives good gifts to his children, the one whom all life flows from, reintroduces us by this gift back to our original purpose as humanity. We are a people made and designed to carry the fullness of God on planet Earth. <laughs> Ephesians 3.19 says, to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How do we get all the fullness of God? This is made possible by the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter two, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Look what happens. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound or a noise, like a mighty, violent, rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. By the sound of heaven, the noise of heaven, two worlds collide like a violent rushing wind. The word rushing here is pharaoh, P-H-E-R-O, pharaoh. It is used 67 times in the New Testament. 66 of those times, it means to carry, to bear, to bring forth. Yet in this one time, it is used being described as a powerful, violent, rushing kind of wind that is bringing something forth the mighty rushing wind of God birthing something new. It's the birthing of the church. Noise here can be translated as roar. This is not just a sweet little flute off in the distance. A mighty roar. Just as God spoke the world into being, the sound from the mouth of God brought about a new reality that the prophets had longed to see for thousands of years. Now, not just in God's own son walking the earth where the heavens opened, but is now multiplied in power and in presence in his very people. This was a moment that changed everything. The church was birthed. The people of God become carriers of his very spirit. You guys are quiet. Are you good? <laughs> you letting it sink in? Good. Thinking, good. Isn't this awesome? <laughs> I, just, I just was like studying and I was like, I've heard this story so many times and I'm just like, God, you are insane. You're so good. You know, we, we read the scriptures so casually. Yeah, this is just like mighty rushing wind comes in. Yeah, and then they had t these tongues of fire happen. And they started speaking in these tongues. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. God reveals so much of his character by his acts, by his hand, by his face. Um, I think God reveals so much of his character by animals. <laughs> Changing course. <laughs> Changing course just for a second. Animal lover. Uh, you can look at the nature of God by literally looking at natural revelation that's like mountains and ocean and 
whoa, God is so powerful. He's so good. And then, and then you look like at a little like aardvark and you're like, God, you are funny. You're, you're really funny. And I think we can look at these different acts of, of what God's done in scripture. And without the Holy Spirit, you're, you're reading these things and you're like, what, what are these Christians practicing? This is speaking in tongues, the power of God. They're, they're stumbling out as if drunk into the road. Do I want to be a part of this tribe of religion? I don't know. This is, this is weird. Some of you are like, sign me up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of you just need to, you're like getting your cups out and you're like, Holy Spirit, let the wine flow. Raise your glass. No. Um, so... Side tangent, just bring it in there, hot. Here it is. Day of Pentecost. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound, a noise like a mighty rushing wind, a roar. You know, it's crazy about that, that this, this sound, we don't fully understand what it looked like or what, it, what they experienced. We do know that they, they come stumbling out into the streets, appearing as if drunk, because the ecstasy of what God is doing in their hearts is so brimming over the power of the Holy Spirit is so brimming over that he's just manifesting himself as he chooses. It looks wild. It looks like a, 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 a wild little wildfire in the streets. But here's what's crazy. This is the moment that it went from 120 to citywide transformation. Not only was this a, a little cat-like roar, <laughs> this was a roar upon the hearts of men and women. This sound was a transforming sound. And it's the people of the land of Jerusalem that the Spirit of God blew through their hearts. A kind of sound that as 120 gathered with their simple devotion, the Lord captured hearts and then propelled through a meeting into an entire city. The very atmosphere of a city was shifted a very population that had just nailed Jesus to the cross 10 days prior, two weeks, under two weeks before, they had nailed Jesus to the cross, hailing a murderous spirit in the city. But when the spirit of God comes and the kingdom of God is made manifest in a moment, the very people that nailed him to a cross are flocking together, falling to their knees, saying, what must I do to be saved? The very murderous ones that under two weeks before had nailed him to a cross are falling to their knees with conviction. What must I do to be saved? This is the power of the Holy Spirit that's awakened in the church and then shifting a citywide atmosphere. How did this happen? We spoke last week about the house of God we spoke about the gate of heaven. Some of you, you think about a gate. A gate takes you from one property to another property, from one realm to another realm. We talked about the Chronicles of Narnia. You guys love that stuff. We talked about the wardrobe. Little Lucy and Edmund wandering into the wardrobe, playing hide and seek. They find themselves in another kingdom. Mr. Tumnus, shout out. Someone... Gonna dress up like Mr. Tumnus this year? Thought so. You, that's all you, Matt. <laughs> the threshold, the gate, the transference from one realm to another, the presence of God. There's literally a, a movement. We are his people who are a gate of heaven. They get to bring that access point. They say that the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Do you want to enter through? Do you want to live in this realm or do you want to stay put in what you're seeing in the natural? The hearts of the city were instantly drawn in, shifted by the presence of God. There wasn't an expert marketing program. There were no loudspeakers. <laughs> Just a sound, but a spiritual sound. A sound that was released that cleared their thoughts. A sound that awakened hearts a sound that brought a longing and a desperation for truth. It was a sound of the calling of God to his people. 
And this should challenge us. It challenges me that if God can take 120 hungry people, just 120, seeking his face in unity, and then blow across them in such a way that it drew the hearts of 3,000 in a single day, 120 to 3,000, that's some good math. It's because it's supernatural. Also, can you guys hear just the chopping of the tacos outside? <laughs> I was like, does someone need inside? I don't know what's going on. Just carne asada coming in hot right after service. Don't think too hard about it. Just eat your snack. We'll be fine. That's another kind of sound. <laughs> another sound. But this sound was a calling of God to his people. It challenges me. Shouldn't it motivate us to posture ourselves accordingly? Through this open heaven, daily multitudes were added to their number. The multitudes expanded so rapidly that if you fast forward to, to Acts chapter 9, it says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and it was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. In Acts chapter 2, we have simple addition, 3,000. Now we got some multiplication. What is that number? It's the, the wildfire of the Holy Spirit moving in hearts. It's shifting atmospheres. It's seeing those who are awakened to the love and truth of the gospel going out. Do you think it was any mistake that by 70 AD, there was this, this expulsion of the people that lived in Jerusalem? They, they were forced to flee on the Roman roads. But in the middle of persecution, the wildfire spread that much further. Did you know that every time there is persecution throughout history, every single time, the gospel expands and, expands and multiplies? Did you know that there's a glory in martyrdom? Freely giving your life for the sake of the gospel. Laying it down, there was a glory of God. In fact, I was talking with, with Josh this week, my friend, and we were, we were talking about how the martyrs were even excited to give up their lives for the sake of the gospel. They counted it such an honor. This was so real to them. This was not just a religion that they, they kept on their belts and they're like, this is a nice self-help kind of religion. I'm really glad that I found Christianity. This was everything to them. This was literally life and death. And there's something about that conviction that I want us to hold a little closer to today. And it's a conviction that I've been feeling in my own life. Like, where have I started to just wander? Where, where, have, I, where have I numbed? Where have I gotten just a little bit lax? I, I've even been thinking a little bit about just busyness and busy with good things and, and the checklist items. And if we want to be those that are set on fire with the power and presence of Jesus and see the Holy Spirit be the one that's doing the heavy lifting. You know what that takes first and foremost? It takes time. Time with Jesus. The simplicity of daily taking time in the garden with God. It's really not that hard, actually. It just takes time. And I was thinking about Mary and Martha this week and how Martha was busy with good things. But it was Mary who paused at the feet of Jesus and was honored as such. And just even for a moment, myself being a pastor, you know, there's endless good things I could be doing. Let's do another visit. Let's do another program. Let's do another good thing. I literally could do it and never sleep, it would be awesome. <laughs> but the Lord spoke to me recently, and I think you, might, you guys might get this, I want you to apply it to your own life. But what he's been speaking to me, where I get so knotted up with maybe a little anxiety and frustration, and I'm like, I gotta do a whole lot of things, and there's people that are hurting, and I need to get back to these people, and whatever it is, and I need to make programs more excellent, and I need to fix this sound issue, and I, you know, it's, it's endless. And in your own area of expertise, I'm sure it's like that. But he spoke to me and he's like, Tommy, it's just church. It's just church. He's like, son, relax. Take a beat. 
take a breath, chill. Because if we have lost our joy in any way, take time and find your joy again. Especially, especially at church. Because we're, we're not gathered here so that I can like check a box that we have so many number of people or, you know, we're not money obsessed around here. It doesn't, it doesn't that's not us. We, we created this thing to be a space for people to just encounter God together. Like it's really that simple and it should be that beautiful. And if these lives really are not our own, if we belong to Jesus, I don't need to worry about like, oh, I'm stressed, I need to figure out what the next program is and in your life, like I need to figure out how I'm gonna get my next gig, I need to, I need to figure out how I'm gonna get married, <laughs> whatever it is. I need to figure it out. <laughs> but what it takes is an open-handedness, a yieldedness, a surrender, letting go of all of the, the fear and the junk that holds you back and actually living in a posture of peace, a posture of yieldedness, and just being simple in our obedience before him, knowing that it's all for his glory anyway. And I mentioned this last week, like, are we waking up in the morning for me and, and my cares and the relationships that I want to see better and the situations and problems that I want to see fixed? Is that how we're waking up in the morning? And that, is, that, is that where our focus is? Or, or are we waking up in the morning and we're like, all glory to you, God. I got to give all glory to you because this life, Tommy over here, I'm yours. And when, when I give myself to the Lord, that's where I'm actually found in freedom. Amen. True freedom. True freedom from stress and anxiety and all those things that we hold in our shoulders. That comes, liberation comes when you wake up in the morning and you're like, land that all down. This life is yours, God. This church, these people, laying it all down. Yep, I'm going to take time with you today, God, because that's what you've called me to. Like, that, that is first and foremost what I am called to. And I see this demonstrated in Acts 2. 9 a.m. in the morning. They should have been getting ready for work, right? They should have been really busy taking care of the kids, getting things ready for market, whatever they're doing back in the day. And they're gathered together seeking the face of God because that's what mattered most. That's what mattered most to them. So what is the impact of the fire of the Holy Spirit? I want to name two things. What is the fruit and the impact of a life that is set on fire by the Holy Spirit? Number one, the fruit of passion and boldness. One of my favorite examples is Peter. Peter is just a wild one, wild one kind of disciple. We would have been friends. We would have had a little skirmishes, but we would have been friends. Good discussions. And Peter just days prior had denied Jesus a couple times, even with a little girl who's like, aren't you one of the disciples? He's like, no, 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 don't want to die. And he runs away and Jesus had prophesied that this would take place before the rooster crows and he gets that conviction and tears and I'm sure just like undone that he had denied Jesus. But within two weeks, the very man that had shown such weakness and frailty the one that Jesus, remember last week, had prophesied, Peter, you're a rock. You are a rock. You're not seeing it all yet, but I'm prophesying. You are a rock, Peter. Well, he starts to arise with the power of the Holy Spirit as a rock. And he is the one that delivers this powerful message with boldness and with passion. And he is the one that led the way for 3,000 individuals to be added to their number that day. He is the one. The Lord brings passion and boldness. I remember in my own life, I was in Bible school, and I had, I'd had some experiences with the Holy Spirit, but I, I, wasn't, I wasn't living in a way where I was letting the Lord move like a living flame in my life. And I, I had, had turned to more duty in my studies and in wanting to be in ministry. And I remember in the middle of my, my junior year, I was sitting at a Presbyterian church, and just this little familiar movement of the Spirit started moving within me. And... Um, this might be a little different for you, but in the middle of a Presbyterian church, 
the Holy Spirit started moving through me in such a way that, that I, I, I could not contain the power of God in that moment. And something was ignited within me again. And uh, the, same, the same person that was struggling to have my devotion time, the same person that was reading scripture more like a textbook and a little bit tired and a little numb to the Lord, loved him, but kind of numb, the Lord set me aflame. Set me aflame by the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And all of a sudden, within, uh, within really a couple months, I was like, hey, friends, you want to go to the grocery store and find people to pray for? This is the middle of Chicago winter. That's, that's cold. I was like, let's, let's go to the grocery store and pray for the sick. <laughs> it's like, that is not my own doing. That is a move of the Holy Spirit that ignited something within me because I wanted to see transformational power through my life. I was awakened to true purpose again. One of my own family members, this guy Daniel, eight years ago, he wasn't even a believer. He used to make fun of us at holidays. He was like, thought we were nuts as Christians. Didn't want to pray at meals, you know, the whole thing. Well, fast forward, Daniel had an encounter with God about seven years ago on a, the side of a mountain. And the Lord, he's like, if you're really God, you can change the direction of the wind. Immediately it stopped and changed direction. And he's like, first of all, I was surprised that he was even asking these questions. He's like, okay. And then he heard a voice, said, Daniel, come back here in 40 days and you'll know that I am God. So he went down and all of a sudden something ignited in him to read scripture. He had never read a book in his entire life. He literally cheated his way through high school. He was so hungry, he read the Bible cover to cover in like two months. I don't even do that. Maybe the next two months I will. So, so he, he reads the Bible cover to cover. He looked at the calendar 40 days from his experience was Easter morning. I think the dots are connecting, Daniel. This man became so ignited with the power of the Holy Spirit. That when God moves in such a way like that, it's like you're jumping through your skin. You just got to do something because the love and power of God is just moving through you. I don't know. You don't have words for it. So he's like, kind of similar to me. He's like, I just started going to Walmart and praying for the sick. And this man started seeing in the first days of his ministry, the hick, the, the hick, the, the, maybe that too, the sick healed. We are talking about Walmart, bless you. He saw the hick healed. Yeah, we're going to return from that one. So, that's right. I am from the South. I can get away with that a little bit. This is the potential of your life. And this is the potential of our church body and the potential of a city like Los Angeles. Unlimited kind of potential. It's God's desire that we'd be those consumed with his love and his power, to his presence, to host him well, to yield to him, to be those people that he can rest upon and blow through, to shift an atmosphere of a region, to see multitudes saved, set free, and brought into true life. It's the baptism of fire to see the glory of heaven move through a life. That then he moves through a household. And then he moves through your business. Then he moves through your school, through a film set. This kind of baptism fire makes us a living witness of Jesus. The face and the body of our living God. And those who display the power and presence of heaven. If the spirit of the resurrected Christ flooded the atmosphere of Jerusalem, he can flood West LA. He can move upon hearts. That we feel, we feel in the natural that these hearts are too far gone like my, my friend Daniel. And the Lord will meet them on the side of a mountain and speak to them. We got boldness. Secondly, face-to-face -face intimacy. The fruit of the power of the presence of God. The baptism of the Spirit isn't just for us to be more effective in powerful ministry. Perhaps the main importance is actually an ignition in our passionate intimacy with God face-to-face. And our ministry should always be an overflow of the life-changing love encounters that we experience with God. I believe that God desires this, this kind of intimacy by the pouring out of the Spirit towards us found in Ezekiel 39. He says in verse 29 of 39, 
I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. The pouring out of the spirit always brings a greater revelation of the face of God. I love Proverbs 16, 15. It says, in the light of a king's face, there is life. And his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. Rain, an outpouring of rain is a biblical metaphor of the move of the Holy Spirit. And verses like this reveal that the movement of the Holy Spirit bring the light of the king's face and his favor when the, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes. His desire is that we all experience who he is, person-to-person, face-to-face kind of intimacy. Through the pouring out of his spirit, there is a wooing in and a movement within our hearts that only he can do. And it is available to each and every one of you. Do not disqualify yourself by your actions and your choices. He's with you right now. He wants to make your heart his home, his dwelling place. He wants to tabernacle with you. He wants to make your heart the holy of holies. He wants to demonstrate his righteousness, his his infinite love to you. He wants to invite you into a relationship that is eternal with the eternal one. This is our God that brings a revelation and invitation of the kingdom of God for every single soul that is filling this room. So my challenge for us today, will we be a people who take time to sit at his feet, to spend time with him, to pause from the busyness of life, to actually just let the light of his face radiate upon us, changing us from within to be those all the more who are undone by his love and his affection, to then host him well with the overflow of love that we are experiencing in the rich relationship of the garden of our hearts, and then embody this same kind of love to the world around us. As we become more and more aware of him, which a lot of it is just becoming aware of the invisible God, when we become more aware of him, his, his realm manifests into our natural realm. The kingdom is an ever-increasing kind of kingdom. Heaven's influence is an an ever-increasing kind of influence through the bride of Christ to bring a transformation to this world. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have an open heaven. I told us last week, I said, you now have no more an excuse to say that I am only human. Some of you heard, I heard a nice echo in the halls. (laughs) Only human, correct. You are no longer only human. You are naturally supernatural because the Spirit of God chose to make his home in you. The power of the resurrected Christ dwells within you. And and as we bring that revelation and that truth into our daily lives, what is going to take place as the Spirit of God is wanting to leap from us? And so Jesus propels his followers forward and he propels you forward. He says, go therefore. Even if he places you into the darkest spiritual environments, it is our responsibility to align to his word, to not be impressed by the negative spirits of the land. Oh, Hollywood is just so hard. This, this Babylonian spirit just takes me right out. This spirit of Jezebel just walking down the streets attacks me. It's like, okay, perhaps, perhaps you have shut the heavens between your ears. Perhaps you have succumbed to an inferior kingdom. Perhaps we need to realign to the open heavens that Jesus paid for. Perhaps our greatest spiritual battle is not clapping and snapping and casting out and all these things that may be the case once in a while. Perhaps our greatest battle is to live yielded, obedient, surrendered, connected to righteousness itself. If you give those spirits attention, the Babylonian spirit, the spirit of Jezebel, Delilah, blah, blah. Listen, if you give those things so much attention, you are actually empowering a disempowered devil. Our attention is meant to be refocused and aimed and singular. Our one thing, his name is Jesus. And the open heavens over my life through the spirit of God that is alive within me. By abiding in Christ, 
the simplicity of abiding with him, remaining with him, spending time with him. We actually let the impact of his realm, his thoughts, his ways, his teaching saturate our thoughts, our thought life, our behavior, our systems, our way of life, allowing that kingdom realm to be one that you are most aware of in our lives. Our, our main goal, and I just want to end here. Let's put it up on the screen. Our main goal, final slide. Our main goal here on earth, if you're wondering your purpose, the goals of your life, here it is, to grow into maturity of Jesus, to let his character and power move through your life to look more and more like our Jesus. Secondly, to bring as many disciples to him as possible. You know, we don't have to be those obsessed with numbers, but collectively together, we got some good work to do. We got a lot of nets to cast out. Third, transform everywhere that we have authority and influence with his glory and redemptive power. That's what I'm talking about. Are we hosting him well? Are we aware of the open heavens that we walk around with? Are we bringing the redemptive power as priests in the kingdom of God, as kings and queens ruling with delegated servant-hearted authority to bring the rule of Jesus, his redemptive love, his restoration to a world that is hurting and broken and being light bearers of the kingdom of God? That's the challenge. Let's stand up together. I think it's only fitting to take a moment and just give all glory and praise back to Jesus. That's what it's all about. We got a, a few more than the upper room, so there should be at least 6,000 saved today. Let's go. So Holy Spirit, would you even right now, as we magnify the name of Jesus, would you move through this place? Let us know that our worship is not just, not just for a personal exchange, but that same sound is being released into the atmosphere of West LA, into the county of Los Angeles, into the region, and so we are hungry to see the greater move, to see hearts come alive, to see the fish come into the boat, to see hearts awakened, full of life, full of passion, full of boldness for your name. So we lift up your name, Jesus.
Jesus, you are everything. We adore you with our hearts, our lives, our work, our families, even the areas that are still in process. We glorify you, God. We invite you in, God. We thank you that we have the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you come and burn like a fire in our lives time and time and time again. Time and time and time again, you burn like a fresh fire, fresh wind in our lives, God. So we're asking for that even right now, God. Come like a mighty roaring fire in our lives again. We don't want to stay lukewarm. We don't want to stay in a place of compromise. We want to see the boldness and the passion and the intimacy. We want to see the face to face. We want to see the greater things. We want to see the more of the Lord. We've given our yes and we give our yes still, God. Come and move upon this body and every heart. Come move upon this city in every heart. Come move upon this region in every heart, God. We invite you, align us to your plans and purposes to see the more. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen.